0: Happy Monday and welcome to the 15th episode of the Sneak Preview, where we follow the current movie release calendar. I'm Connor Azgary. I'm Austin Johnson. Today's topic is the recent Netflix release, Thunder Force, a film that has been getting eviscerated by critics and fans alike. Let's see if those reviews are accurate or not. Also, we'll talk briefly on the theater release, Voyagers, which has been going through pretty much the same thing. It's going to be a lukewarm sci-fi episode, but first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last Week in Film. First up, trailer time. The first trailer for Mainstream came out. Stars Andrew Garfield as a douchey YouTube personality who goes off the deep end. Uh, The film is written and directed by Gia Coppola, granddaughter of Francis Ford Coppola, set for release May 7th.
1: Thoughts? Ah, this looks... Like, it's going to be straight garbage, but I'll, but I'll probably watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, <clears throat> looks totally up its own ass in, like, the worst way. Uh, I love Andrew Garfield. I love kind of the strange career he's put together the past decade. And this looks like a role that's just kind of, yeah, just him kind of going for it. And that's really the reason I want to see it. Then you got Maya Hawk, uh, Ethan Hawk's daughter. She's an interesting performer. I I just, uh, the trailer is, (laughs) you can just kind of, you can already tell what you're in for, right? Just, I I think it's going to be a total miss. I think this looks great for 2012. But (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Logan Paul, the movie doesn't exactly scream Uh masterpiece these days. I don't
1: know. I I think this is going to flop hard. Uh, Yeah. But we'll see. It's it's one of those flops that I'm I already know that I'm I'm gonna watch it gonna see it, just has this has this thing that kind of draws me in like oh it looks like shit that I'll kind of enjoy, <laughs> uh you know it <clears throat> I love that you brought up 2012 and you know what comes to mind is like Spring Breakers from 2012 or 2013 James Franco shit you know shit like that you know
0: this looks like you know it was tailor-made for Franco in the 2010s. Yeah. yeah, But he's too old to be that kind of guy now. Um, and also, you know, you can't, you know, you got to put value on that Coppola name. I mean, that is a hell, that's like the Hollywood dynasty now. And that name, you know, is going to attract some people. I'm, it's, I didn't give a shit until I saw that. And I'm like, huh, okay. I might want to see this. I don't know if that, you know, I don't know what her talents are, but maybe she's, maybe that family's got it. Maybe it's hereditary. I don't know. <laughs> they all seem to be good.
1: Uh, at <laughs> I've seen, I've seen her, her film Palo Alto from like seven years, seven or eight years ago. That was all right. I guess it was okay. I don't know. It's kind of a, you're either in or you're out on like her kind of feel. It seems like it kind of has like a glossy instagram filter type feel to it that's just kind of stuck and i don't know it's just not totally for me but at the same time i'm a i don't know i'm i'm an idiot and i watch things that i probably won't enjoy <laughs>
0: <laughs> i have just for this podcast i have watched a lot of films that i did not <laughs> just because i was like it came out so i should probably say something
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um next up the trailer for those who wish me dead Stars Angelina Jolie, John Bernthal, Aiden Gillen, and Nicholas Holt. Follows a young murder witness who is hunted by two assassins during a massive forest fire directed by Taylor Sheridan set for release May 14th. This looks interesting. Uh, Taylor Sheridan is a very talented screenwriter. Uh, I'm, I've often said I'm not the biggest Jolie fan, but I love John Bernthal and uh, Aiden Gillen and Nicholas Holt. I think they pretty good. So I'm, I'm in. I'll see this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely want to, want to check this one out. I think, I think Angelina Jolie has made a lot of like poor, you know, decisions with, with roles throughout her whole career, but, but she has some, some awesome ones. And this looks like one that that's going to pay off. That's going to be really a a really cool performance from her. Uh, Yeah. and, And Sheridan is mostly why you trust it, right? You know, Sicario, Wind River, Hell or High Water. Those are, those are some, some cool stories and he's kind of one of the minds behind Yellowstone. So you just, yeah, you, you feel like you're in good hands, you know, and with the other, the other members of the cast that you mentioned, I, yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board for this.
0: I'm intrigued by the idea of assassins hunting a child in a forest fire. That just, that's an interesting concept. I like it. Uh, it's an HBO max uh, release. So,
1: you know, we don't have to, we have to go anywhere. So my, why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one where you can just kind of go get some food, come on home, chill out and, you know, watch a good old, I, I think it's Warner brothers, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. HBO max, baby. <laughs> yeah. Here's hoping.
0: Um, and finally, the second trailer for Cruella stars, Emma stone as a young Cruella Deville and Emma Thompson as their sort of evil mentor set for release on May 28th in theaters and on Disney Plus via Premiere Access. Uh, I got to say, the second trailer has warned me to the film because I think it's a much better angle. I think the first trailer took a weird angle to it, but this one is like, oh, okay, she's crazy because her boss is crazy and she hates her boss and she wants to kill her boss. I can relate to that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm super, super in for this. I think this looks awesome. And I think Craig Gillespie is kind of cool with that you know I Tanya I really like that one the 2011 fright night for what it's worth right that's a pretty cool movie and then and then I, I love Lars and the real girls so the really interesting filmography from him and to have this kind of a film through Disney is is dope obviously the guy's getting paid and I, I'm excited to see his style you know in kind of this territory with this huge budget and Emma stone looks like she's just totally gone for it I can't wait
0: Also had a PG thirteen rating, which is Uh incredible for Disney. So that's intriguing. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's one of the one of the key things, right? If you if you catch that, a lot of a lot of those Disney PG thirteen movies tend to be, yeah, just slightly more entertaining.
0: Yeah, and I love that you can kind of see the contrast between both trailers and just how they're both telling wildly different stories. And this trailer feels like the Corella Deville movie that makes sense.
1: So yeah,
0: yeah, I'm I'm finally on board.
1: Yep, I'm definitely I'm super excited. Yeah, <laughs> it looks awesome. So that's it for trailers.
0: Let's talk about what else happened. <coughs> uh, Michael B. Jordan has confirmed that Sylvester Stallone will not be appearing in his upcoming film Creed Three. Rocky Balboa is officially retired, and this isn't exactly news. This you know Stallone released an Instagram video a long time ago saying that he was done playing Rocky. But now that, you know, Michael B. Jordan is going to be directing Creed 3, we got official confirmation that Rocky is not a part of this film. Uh, I'm, eh, you know, I love Rocky, so that's disappointing, but I, I get it. Rock, you know, Rocky's yeah. story ended pretty good in Creed 2. And
1: yeah, I love this franchise, so I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, I think eight films is is enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hats off to... Stallone for yeah, doing this incredible run within a a franchise. Yeah, that's going for nine films now, and these, you know, both Creed one and two are, are just spectacular. So I, I don't see anything, you know, anything less from the third. No, I'm I'm, I'm wondering what he's going to do.
0: I know there's like a lot of fans are like fight Mr. T's kid and shit like that, but that's it's <laughs> not going to happen.
1: Nah, no.
0: Nah. <laughs> um. Paul Dano has been cast as Steven Spielberg's father in his upcoming biographical drama. He joins Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen. This is shaping up to be in a very interesting film. I'm following the development of this and like the cast he's bringing together, the idea of telling his own story. Like, I'm, I'm intrigued.
1: Oh yeah, dude. I mean, <laughs> those names are uh, so fascinating. Putting them together. Steven Spielberg, Paul Dano, Rogan and Michelle Williams. <laughs> well, yeah, sign, sign us up. Right. Uh, and Paul Dano is, I think, made so many cool decisions throughout his career and kind of outdone himself as far as just working with all these amazing people and then to be able to do this, you know? Yeah. Pretty pretty special. And he, he just had, I, just a couple of years ago, Wildlife, his directorial debut, Paul Dano. So it's pretty cool, right? Being able to learn from these guys and also perfecting your own craft. Pretty sweet.
0: Well, and, you know, he's got his indie fans, he's got his, you know, his loyalists, but we're about to see him play the Riddler and that's yep. going to propel him to superstardom. So I'm, I'm psyched.
1: Yeah. Oh, you got to love that. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah, you know, when we were, you know, when we were 11 and 12, he's in Little Miss Sunshine and There Will Be Blood. and Okay. Yeah. This guy, this guy knows how to pick movies. And as time goes on, he just kind of keeps crushing it and rolls like in Prisoners and I, I love the guy so much, and that was the really exciting news. Can't believe
0: there's only two years between Sunshine and There Will Be Blood. He looks so much older. It's just one
1: year. It's just oh six and 07.
0: Fuck! What happened?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson got a hold of him. Yeah,
0: he goes from like looking fourteen to looking thirty-five
1: in a year. How did that happen? <laughs> wow, N- Nietzsche! <laughs> you don't speak. You don't speak because of. Meet <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. every night with a goddamn fucking chicken. That is, oh, it's one
0: of my favorite episodes we did of Oscar Sunday. That was Little Miss Sunshine it was a blast.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just such a goddamn awesome movie. You know, uh, <laughs> so special. It's so fun. many cool, so many cool people in it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I help you with anything? Oh, yeah. Is there a funeral home around here? <laughs> <laughs> you you got to love when Dean Norris is God, I love these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Whoa>, that's different. <laughs> uh, great movie. Fantastic. 15 awesome. year anniversary this year. Yeah. Uh,
0: fantastic. Oh, I know what I'm watching. <laughs> uh Paramount has delayed a number of their films currently in production. Uh, no surprise there, you know, big stuff is Still, you know, a little hesitant to come out. Godzilla versus Kong was profitable, but not, you know, normal times profitable. So a lot of studios still have cold feet. I get it. Uh, Top Gun Maverick has been pushed to November 19th. And Mission Impossible 7 has been pushed to May 2022. So we won't be getting any Tom Cruise for quite a while. I mean, who's who's crying?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it's not not 1999 Tom Cruise, then, you know, I don't, you know, (laughs) you know, I don't care too much.
0: I wish we could get more dramatic cruise over the action star Cruz has been masquerading as for the past 20 years. It's just the it's the same movie. He's been playing Ethan Hunt for God knows how long. No matter what you call the movie, it's Ethan Hunt every
1: time. For for 25 years. Like, give it up, dog. You know, at least the people who play Bond give it up at some point and let somebody else do it. Like, Jesus.
0: It's like, who is, who is clamoring for Top Gun 2? Who is this for? Nobody cares. I mean, that and like the whole Jack Reacher thing and just like, I don't know what the hell he's, I I don't get it. I will never understand
1: that guy. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Throughout the past 20 years, there's very few worthwhile roles, you know, but then, yeah, you look in the eighties and nineties and it's just, just stacked with awesome, awesome stuff. The one time he climbed out of the box, was Tropic Thunder and that was okay yeah that's that's incredible stuff I think collateral is pretty cool I think Edge of Tomorrow's got some pretty mm-hmm. decent stuff in it mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it's yeah it, it's decent it's better than all the you know just straight action yeah, I don't know I I am yeah I, I really wish he would turn back the clock uh, more often and do some stuff like he's doing as Frank T.J. Mackey yeah granted
0: I have not yet seen collateral but I fucking hated Edge of Tomorrow
1: I just oh, I didn't okay with that at all. I thought it was pretty cool. I collateral is pretty, pretty dope. Yeah, I think you would dig that one.
0: Well, you know, I'm because of uh, we just did um, talk about the insider on Oscar Sunday. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, kind of a Michael Mann, you know, surge right now, so might as well,
1: dude. Yeah, last of the Mohicans, might as well throw it on Miami Vice, just <laughs> Michael Mann it up, yeah.
0: <laughs> um. Bit of sad news, actor James Hampton has died at 84 years old from uh, Parkinson's complications. Hampton was known for his role as the dad in Teen Wolf, as well as his roles in Sling Blade, The Longest Yard, and The China Syndrome. He will be missed.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, unfortunate stuff. This is a uh, part of the show that we feel like we just got to do. You know, yeah. these, these people are... Highly influential, whether it be on a smaller, huge scale, it's just it's just worth it's worth bringing up. Uh, China Syndrome. <clears throat> he's fantastic and I just watched that movie not too long ago, uh, nineteen seventy nine. Really cool, Jane Fonda and Michael Douglas. Really cool movie, and it's interesting how you know those things matter, right? When you're you're talking about these people, that's what we have to hold on to, and. Those are the little things, those are the little things you do, you latch onto. You're like, oh, I, I just saw that, or oh, I like that. Or Longest yard, fuck yeah! And that's the stuff you uh, you can remember them by. Uh, uh, that's the only that's the only way we can really go about it here. Uh, but it's not it's not something to just kind of gloss over.
0: Yeah, you know, a, a big part of all of our podcasts is legacy, and we like to point out when you know piece of that legacy is gone. It's important. And, uh, you know, I just like to kind of pay my respects. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, this was really cool. Uh, Jensen Ackles has been cast as the voice of Batman in the upcoming DC animated film, Batman, The Long Halloween. It'll be split into two parts. The trailer for part one is out now. And this looks fantastic. I, uh, there's a, <laughs> so- in the TV show Supernatural, which just ended, there's a, a funny episode where the character of Dean Winchester, who Jensen Ackles plays, throws a remote at someone's heads and then proclaims, I'm Batman because of a joke. <laughs> but now he really is Batman. So Supernatural fans are freaking the fuck out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the tides have, the tides have turned.
0: <laughs> and I love The Long Halloween. That is such a cool graphic novel, such a really neat gritty batman story and they're finally doing an animated movie out of it and it just looks awesome so cool so excited
1: oh well yeah and you and i know firsthand we've just kind of like shared multiple experiences through the and podcast of animated you know dc animated specifically batman stuff you know it's just shit will just blow your mind you know and any time you see a story that you're kind of connected with of course yeah I'm on board with you. Uh, I I definitely want to check this out. Yeah. I've heard that The Long
0: Halloween is one of the graphic novels that um, Matt Reeves is heavily influenced by for his Batman movie. So just for like tone. So that's exciting.
1: Fuck yeah. That's really cool.
0: Um, Netflix has acquired the rights to stream Sony's new releases after their theatrical runs. This includes Morbius, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Uncharted and whatever else Sony is producing in the next few years, and this was kind of a shock because Sony is the only major studio to not have had either their own service or a deal with a studio with a streaming service. So this deal uh, ended that, and now Netflix has Sony stuff.
1: Ah, uh, extremely, extremely uh, disappointing to to me that I don't think it's the right choice of streaming service, right? <laughs> So all right, that that kind of that kind of blows, um, but this kind of this kind of news is is stuff that just kind of still shocks me when I when I'm reading it. You know, these things that are just streamlining, going straight to these services, and it's just just the norm now. Just the kind of business that's happening in the world that we love, uh, but yeah, not the place I want it to go.
0: Well, you know, we as the consuming public can only do so much. Mm-hmm. damn uh, straight yeah. <laughs> and this is, this is us doing so much
1: <laughs> <laughs> lifting a finger
0: Yep, our two cents so finally uh, <clears throat> Waller Bridge has been cast in the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones film joining Harrison Ford in his final run as Indy James Mangold is taking over directing duties from Steven Spielberg and perhaps most excitingly
1: John Williams is returning to score the film. <clears throat> yeah, mm. this I, yeah this this works for me. This works for me. James Mangold, uh, I I'm like I, I'm totally in love with the that guy's mind. Not all of his work am I in love with, but his mind, the way he kind of thinks about movies, and I, I think this is going to be very 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 important to him.
0: Well, Spielberg clearly picked him because of Logan. Yeah, yeah yep i mean this is old man indie. that's what this is it's going to be indiana jones last ride probably in like the late you know late 50s early 60s or something you know passing the torch to whoever the hell and i i want to be excited about this but crystal skull really left a bad taste in my mouth oh it's every every other count
1: doesn't count doesn't count this is the fourth one this is the fourth one (laughs) we're allowed to do that it's ours the art's ours fuck that movie yeah it's terrible if we can, you know, protect and preserve and
0: reclaim the art, we can also kick it to the fucking curb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, just deny it. <laughs> oh God. It's like that, it's like that Geico Dick Matumbo commercial when he just fucking keeps blocking everything. <laughs> yeah. No, that's Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> just get that oh, shit out of here.
0: <laughs> well, I hope this doesn't suck. I this is they've been trying to do this for like 10 years now. They're finally getting it off the ground.
1: It'll be interesting. I I, it may not be like great or anything, but it'll be interesting for sure. It's gonna, it'll have that Mangold touch, and then having having Phoebe involved is pretty pretty kind of eye popping because that's a very interesting decision from her. Yeah, with her career and where she's at. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm just kind of like I like this kind of a risk. Well.
0: I wouldn't call it a risk. I mean, how do you say no to Indiana Jones?
1: No, it's it's a risk. It's not a risk financially. It's a risk legacy-wise. Because look at what Crystal Skull just That's like true. look at how we're look at how we're talking about it. it. Made it made pretty good money. That's a good point. But and that that might be the thing that really matters, right? To, to people is the money. But when the conversation lives on, you know, years later, when, when did Crystal call, Crystal Skull come out? Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. I mean, yeah, 13 years on, it's still getting just shit on. So you don't want that to be you when you're a movie. And I know James Mangold does not want that to happen to him. Yeah, <laughs> uh, That's not what he intends on when he's making a film. He, he's, he's usually pretty serious about each project.
0: Yeah. Honestly, the biggest surprise for me is Harrison Ford himself, that he <laughs> is willing yeah. to do this. Like he, I, I just feel like all he wants to do is smoke pot and fly. I, that's all he gives a shit about anymore. So the fact that he's even involved, I I don't know. Maybe he was really sold on the script because I know with with Han Solo he was just like fucking give me fifty million dollars and kill me and I'll be and I'll be there. But with Indiana Jones he really does care about that character. He really is connected to that. So I think this is personal for him.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I I. It's so funny knowing when you're watching force awakens and you just know this guy just got paid so much. He's like, please get me out of here. (laughs) I'm ready. I'm ready to go. (laughs) I'm ready to move on. If I was JJ,
0: I would have felt so nervous asking for a second take.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. He's yeah. Harrison Ford's more interested in the donuts that you got on set.
0: (laughs) Well also like day one, like a door slipped on the Falcon and broke his fucking leg. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, not exactly the best homecoming
1: <laughs> no no jesus christ god, yeah I,
0: I wish i could hate something as strongly as harrison ford hates star wars <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I probably <laughs> never will
1: <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> um speaking of sci-fi before we get into thunder force let's talk a little
1: bit about voyagers yes let's colin farrell baby
0: yes um so spoiler alert i am going to go through this film beginning
1: to end uh are you okay with that yeah i do 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 whatever the hell you want man i'm probably not ever gonna watch this (laughs) fair enough um so i'm not gonna say that i'm not gonna say that but the chances are slim (laughs) So this is a film written and directed by Neil Berger,
0: who directed the first divergent film and then produced Insurgent and Allegiant. So he enjoys dystopian future with horny teenagers. And I that's very clear because this this film is basically <laughs> like the lost fourth divergent film.
1: <laughs> I thought there was I thought there were four. Oh boy. There were supposed to be. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs>
0: Funny story, they they split the last one into two because that's what you do when you have a this, a young adult franchise based on a novel series. You get to the last one and you split it in half, but no one wanted to come back for the for the second half. So <laughs> it's never happened.
1: Uh, oh my god! So it's just hanging. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ!
0: I find that hilarious. Oh.
1: <laughs> well yeah can you imagine if they got to deathly hollows part one and just nah we're just not going to do part two well no you can't imagine it because it's actually a good story and well the, thing most about, the movies are entertaining so
0: the thing about harry potter is that the last book is so big and every crucial detail is so important that they needed to split it in half to fill the whole story out
1: they oh didn't yeah, need to do that. They for done.
0: Hunger Games, or they didn't need to do that for Twilight. Like they just did it because that's what happened. Like they figured, one billion dollar grocer or two billion dollar <laughs> grocers. You know what makes more sense? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, But Divergent was never pulling that kind of money. Was never pulling that kind of crowd. So that was risky, and it failed. <laughs> uh, but Burger here. <laughs> Uh, decided to make his mark on Lord of the Flies by putting it, putting it in space. And uh, turns out when you have a spaceship full of teenagers whose horniness and attitude is repressed chemically with a drug and they stop taking that drug, shit's going to get wild. Because <laughs> you have not taught these kids how to handle these emotions or what hormones are or what it feels like to fall in love. So they're going to go completely insane with these emotions and i mean i would say overly insane it's a little much at times uh this film should have been rated r i think it would have been a lot stronger um i gave it a seven uh my biggest surprise is that and this is the last chance for spoilers (laughs) colin farrell is killed 20 minutes into the movie
1: (laughs) ah yeah you, you you hate to hear that right no, I definitely don't want to watch it. Yeah. yeah,
0: he gets he gets electrocuted by some asshole, and they just kind of look at his corpse and are like, "What do now?" And turns out, what do now is stop taking the blue, as they call it, and just fuck everything. <laughs> stop taking care of the ship, and what they're supposed to do is they're there to give birth to the next generation, who will then give birth to the next generation and that generation will land on this planet. So their whole lot okay. life is to breed. They have no other purpose beyond maintain the ship and make more uh, cadets. So once they come to terms with this, they're like, well, then we can do whatever the fuck we want because our lives are meaningless. And like Sheridan... Legacy! Yeah. <laughs> Ty Sheridan is kind of the the level-headed one who's like... You know, our lives are meaningless, yeah, but we still got to take care of this place or we're going to die. And Fion, Fion Whitehead is the dick who's like, I'm crazy now and I'm going to kill everybody who doesn't believe me. And also there's an alien, but not really. And it's mm. just, it's crazy. And it, it's very, it doesn't feel original at all. If everything's pretty predictable. A lot of plot points just kind of happen without any buildup they're like oh this is happening now okay i guess we're doing this um and colin farrell's decent but also you know you can tell he's kind of phoning it in and uh the ending was way too fucking sappy it was like are you kidding me after all that we're gonna still get like a happy beautiful ending like fuck you so no i don't i don't like teenagers i don't find them interesting and i (laughs) Every movie made about them, they act exactly the fucking same. There's there's no personality beyond I hate everything and I want to fuck everything. Like there's more to it than that. I remember Dude, I was a teenager.
1: Let's let's we should do that as an episode. Top five movies based around teenagers, and you got to you got to figure out what which ones you actually like because you I know you hate them. <laughs> yeah, I.
0: I had a like I had an epiphany this this past weekend because I watched Voyagers and I also watched Amour for the first time and I realized I am sick and tired of movies about teenagers acting like assholes and movies about old people that only focus on look how old they are isn't this sad because <laughs> there's more to like like there's more to old people than just You know, Parkinson's or dementia or a stroke or, you know, slow death. Like, I want a movie where, like, you know, a a fantasy movie where, like, there's a prophecy to slay a dragon or something. And this, like, 86 year old grandma gets the prophecy and goes on a quest. I would love something like that. Like, switch them up. You know, give me the movie of, like, you know, old people in space and, like, a teenager has a stroke.
1: Like, I would watch those movies. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Definitely on the second one, because if you have, like, a movie about a young person going through something super traumatic like uh like in sound of metal when he's losing yeah. his hearing super young person losing their hearing they yeah. quote unquote, unquote have their whole life ahead of them you know sort of thing and that that's a super interesting movie super super interesting uh, like plot line yeah. i i understand what you're saying i like a more i need to rewatch it <laughs> it's been it's been a while since i've seen it uh, but I understand what you're saying when it's just kind of like it, it kind of makes old people, especially in within the movie, just kind of one dimensional, you know, and yeah, that can be a, that can be a bit frustrating over a two hour span. Oh,
0: my God. It's just the whole movie is just watching this old guy struggle to take care of his old wife and just watching them both crumble into depression and just like, individual loneliness. I was not entertained, like, no. And it's just something I noticed about films, regard, you know, that are made about elderly people. They just, they only ever focus on how old they are. They don't really hone in on any other personality traits that they've had their entire life. And I wish that they would, you know, explore that a little more in films like this. The father had kind of a similar problem, but it was just smarter in how it handled it.
1: Yeah, a more, what I remember liking it more is, is just like, this sounds stupid, but the shots, you know, the, the direction for Michael Haneke, just, yeah, I get that. There's some, there's some pretty breathtaking stuff within it, but I I totally hear you totally get what you're saying. Well, anyway, Voyager, especially especially when you have like, you have firsthand, you have really cool grandparents like that. That's that's probably it. I have
0: like cool teenage cousins who aren't dicks and grandparents who aren't just, you know, old people with, you know, slowly deteriorating minds. So That might be why I have this problem. Like I'm not seeing people I know in films.
1: Like well, yeah, where's where's the representation of like positive people in these stages of life? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I totally, totally get that without it being fucking cheesy or just being in a comedy movie for, for laughs. Like when they just put an old person in just for, Oh, because they're old. I don't like that either.
0: You know what? That's why nobody kicked so much ass because it used that and turned it on its head you know, Bob Odenkirk and Christopher Lloyd are both considered over the hill, but they're kicking everybody's ass and they, like their age is more of a, uh, a help than a hindrance the whole time. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciated that. So yeah, I, yeah, I think that we need to have more positive, uh, depictions of people at the beginning and the end of their lives. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. So you can probably skip Voyagers. It's, it, just watch Lord of the Flies while outside at night looking at the stars, and you'll get the exact same uh, reaction. I like Lord of the Flies. Okay, well, I might do that one day. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon. If you just sync shit up, you'll get the same deal with certain movies. <laughs> no, that's perfect. Oh, so, time for the main event, so to speak. Thunder Force. Uh, written and directed by Ben Falcone As a vehicle for his wife Melissa McCarthy The pair have also done <laughs> hmm?
1: <laughs> The vehicle for his wife Yeah, that's what a lot of these movies have been
0: I know. For, for him Like, look, Tammy, The Boss, Life of the Party All of them horribly panned I've only seen Tammy of that bunch And that was shit I, I don't know what, like, they're both funny people So I don't know what the hell's happening here
1: <laughs> I, I don't know either, man It's confusing
0: everything Melissa McCarthy has done without her husband has been really good. Spy, bridesmaids,
1: the heat, like what is going on? Can you ever, can you ever forgive me? Yeah.
0: I haven't seen that, but
1: I really want to. Uh, Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. It's pretty funny how that, how that works out. The ones that he's done. Yeah. Good Lord. Tammy is really bad. I just, I forgot what it was. And then I clicked on the poster and I was like, Oh yeah, not good. (laughs)
0: I remember I, I had to work the boss when at Draft House and it it sold out a few times and then a couple of years later I realized I also worked Life of the Party, but in my mind I remembered them as the same movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought, oh my god, they're Yeah. Okay. This is this one. Life of the Party. What's the difference? I'm actually I'm looking at them right now. Okay, okay. The boss? No, the boss. She looks a little bit different. She's got she's got like short hair and is clearly yeah. Wow, (laughs) this is a bad rabbit hole.
0: (laughs) It is a bad rabbit hole, and oh god. So let's talk a little bit about Melissa McCarthy here. Um, Yes, she plays Lydia, a straight up loser who gets superpowers by accident. Um, She's been nominated for two Oscars for Bridesmaid Uh and Can You Ever Forgive Me, and is considered one of the most bankable comedy actors working today so why does she keep getting cast in shit films
1: <laughs> well most of the shit ones are the ones that her husband's doing so well i'm not i'm not gonna blame it all on that have you seen uh, identity thief or identity i, I care that one's really bad identity Thief, uh, and that's not falcon's fault <laughs> yeah um i i wasn't really into the kitchen too much i thought it was okay i guess um Ghostbusters, yikes! Oh, um,
0: yeah, that's a lot of people's fault.
1: <laughs> yeah, Central Intelligence, not for me. Um, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, man. There's, there's the heat. Yeah, uh, I yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bridesmaids is the one that just stands out so so far ahead of all the others. For me, it's Spy. I think Spy. Is spy. Yeah, Spy. Spy is pretty good. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, Can You Ever Forgive Me? He would really like that. So, yeah. It's not yeah, it's not the greatest batting average. I'm a big Richard E. Grant fan.
0: So I'm definitely, that's on my list. Uh, but yeah, it's weird that, I mean, who do you think isn't giving honest feedback in, on these films? Is it McCarthy or is it Falcone? Because one of them is sparing the other's feelings and we're getting bad movies because of it.
1: Uh, yeah, uh, they seem to be okay financially right you know they're all they're all making they're all they're all they're all profiting some of them like big time and they're okay with that but yeah you, you got to think about it. I mean yeah this is this is your career and this is your filmography and it's just got a lot of, got a lot of it just kind of feels like fillers you know
0: yeah big time and Thunder Force while kind of funny Falls under that same umbrella. I mean, it's basically Tammy with superpowers.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. This movie was was okay. I won't ever watch it again. It's it's already forgettable. A uh, couple couple laugh out loud moments. The Jodie Foster reference was was <laughs> awesome uh, for Melissa Leo. Uh, that was really really funny. But well, pretty much all of like the story, I was just like, I don't care like what is so, this this is so rushed and so lazy so silly yeah 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 mm. silly rushed lazy and just kind of yeah i actually was into it at the beginning with like when they were the kid versions i was like all right this is kind of this kind of kids were so well
0: cast i was like this is
1: great <laughs> and then it just it just got rushed and rushed and rushed and before you knew it they're like there's 33 of these tests and you're like ah oh. it's like a montage of them training it. yeah it just too much.
0: One of those kids, I don't know if it was like the elementary school kid or the high school kid, but one of them is Melissa McCarthy's actual daughter. So that would explain why she was so well cast.
1: That's perfect.
0: <laughs> um, Oscar winner, Octavia Spencer plays Emily, the brilliant scientist who actually creates the superpower process. Spencer won her Oscar for a performance in the help. And has also been nominated for her roles in hidden figures and the shape of water. And I thought, like, while she did a decent job. I thought she was terribly miscast. Like, she is so boring compared to Melissa McCarthy. Like, their chemistry is so like, despite them being friends for like twenty years, their chemistry is so off.
1: Yeah, I agree. I it is one of the one of the reasons the movie just doesn't work in general, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, obviously, what's happening on screen, but. But, yeah, it was more of the surprise that you're like, oh, man, the fuck is this? You know what? I thought there would be something here. <laughs> I mean, superhero, I, I, I
0: admittedly, you know, these days it is very difficult to be original in the superhero genre. Yeah. Uh, everything's been done to hell. But that doesn't mean that you should just load up on cliches and, you know, say job well done. That's not going to, you know, nobody's going to care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly um Jason Bateman plays the crab a half man half crab monstrosity who ends up hooking up with Lydia and switching sides Bateman is known for his lead roles on TV shows Arrested Development and Ozark and frankly I thought he stole the show
1: yeah he's easily the best part of this movie the only the only like straight comedy for me the whole movie yeah I was yeah I thought I thought Jason Bateman was great uh you know and what an actor a guy who and not just an actor director producer this guy just is crushing it at this point and for him to be able to still do stuff like this yeah as as if he's in his mid-20s i i yeah i can't say enough great things about bateman
0: jason bateman's a dude who always delights me whenever he's on screen like whether he's playing a you know the hero or a douchebag or a crab man always <laughs> just like I, I like him um that show, um, The Outsider on HBO, the Stephen King, I thought Bateman might be, my, he might've been my favorite part, the bits with Bateman, because he was just, that character's written so goddamn tragic. And Bateman did such a great job. Um, we did the, uh, the Gift on the Film Guys and Podcast a <laughs> few months back. One of my favorite performances of his entire career. Uh, just a cool dude. And he had me fucking rolling as the crab just this—the idea that there's a guy with crab hands, and that's it. <laughs> like that's the whole character. Just guy with crab hands. Like there's a yeah. bit towards the end when they're all fighting the bad guy, and you see Bateman in the background shuffling away like a crab with his hands up in the
1: air. <laughs> Dude, best part of the whole movie. Best part of the whole movie. I yeah, I lost it when that happened. <laughs> God, I love that guy so much. Oh. He's so he's so good. You look, you look through his IMDB and you're like, there's just, there, there's, there's some misses, but mostly, mostly hits, you know, just, or, you know, like what he's doing in dodgeball, like, man, the fuck, this guy's incredible. Just this heat check performance. Like, yeah, it's, it's a bold strategy. Cotton
0: F and a Austin F and a <laughs> I peppers by yeah.
1: face, <laughs> ESPN a Theocho. Yeah. So good. Uh, he's really good in Juno. Um, him and Elliot Page have like a couple moments where they're talking about Suspiria. Really cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, Bateman's the man. He's so cool.
0: One of my favorites of his is Horrible Bosses.
1: Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. Hit, well, that's a crazy cast, right? You know, I I would love to see them reshuffled in a different kind of movie. You know, Jason Sudeikis, Charlie Day, Colin Farrell, all these just awesome people. <laughs> kevin spacey yikes god it's the no. bit he had
0: with spacey where he's like you know he pours in the scotch and he's like oh no thank you He's like that's the year old scotch you don't expect me to just pour it back in the bottle do you and like yeah. forces him to drink it and then he's just like fuck chalk this up to your drinking problem like goddamn
1: <laughs> i thought yeah, yeah piece of shit
0: that was that was such a surprise to me i, I went in thinking that was going to be terrible and i was rolling
1: yeah, and Game Night's like oh. one of the, one of the best comedies of the past like four or five years. It's awesome, you know. One of the purebred comedies that I think will last. Uh, how creative it was, uh, and how good, you know him and him and Rachel McAdams together are just spectacular. And, and really, Jesse Plemons, <laughs> what he's doing in that movie is 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 exactly what you remember in comedy movies. Is that is that kind of heat check role where he's just completely out of his mind, just playing this awesome, ridiculous character.
0: For me, the thing a heavy role in the most in game night was the Denzel Washington subplot. <laughs> <laughs> the wife thought she hooked up with Denzel, but it was just some creepy look like,
1: <laughs> but I can't wait till giggle guys do that movie. Holy shit. I love game night. Love it. Oh,
0: hell yeah. If you guys are taking requests, game night
1: yeah there was you know in fact there was one time uh after because you and i were working when this movie came out this is around when you and i would have been both working at draft house i remember it then came out you know to rent and i was hanging out with andrew andrew uh his, you know host of giggle guys and we were just like up super late and we ordered philly cheesesteaks from this random ass place on on uber eats and then uh we watched game night and we were both we were both dying laughing. You know, this is this is a movie. It's very rare for a pretty much straight you know through and through comedy from the 2010s to just kind of blow you away. And I think I think that's one of them, for sure.
0: Yeah, Game Night was such a, another surprise. You know, you went you go in with no expectations and you just find yourself like, yeah falling apart laughing. It's great.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Yeah,
0: a lot of love for Jason Bateman over here.
1: Yep. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs>
0: Uh, Bobby Cannavale plays the king A vaguely threatening Chicago businessman With super strength Uh, Cannavale is a popular character actor Who has appeared in such films as Ant-Man Blue Jasmine, The Irishman Motherless Brooklyn and Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle among others I believe he had a significant role on Bordog Empire that won him a Golden Globe Uh, Haven't gotten that far I remember I quit after season 3 Because there was like a 5 year time jump And it pissed me off (laughs)
1: Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, he he did, he did, he won it, He won an Emmy for for huh. his role, right on his role in the Board, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah, and he's he's pretty spectacular. Uh, is is one of those guys who's been in both worlds, TV and movies, like just all at, at all times. And I, I I like when he pops up. I don't think he's great in this movie. Uh, it's kind of his character is to me just not very well written. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So he doesn't have a lot to work with, right? And I think that's the main problem with the whole film. But he yeah, Cannavale is a is a talented guy. I mean, uh, we just mentioned Spy not that long ago. He's really good in Spy, right? Yeah. Uh, he's really he's really good in anything he can kind of grapple with. I think he's awesome in Blue Jasmine. Really good in Chef. You know, movies that are just kind of kind of homey, kind of you know down to earth. And I, I think he can he can kind of do anything uh, on the screen. He Even uh, he carried that show, uh, what was it called on HBO? Uh, vinyl. It was just one season. Yeah. Not a great, not a great show, but uh, he he's doing a lot of crazy shit in that in that and kind of carrying it. And I, I, I have respect for him for sure.
0: I I was surprised at how much I liked him in Ant-Man. I mean, he's supposed to be, you know, the stepdad, like the new, you know, the new husband who was a cop, but kind of always just so goddamn likable that you just, you, you you like the guy. And then I like in Ant-Man too, they kind of, you know, use that to uh, their advantage with him, like being confused about Scott doing the, the, the sleight of hand magic and all that, like little bits like that. And yeah, I think, you know, with a good script, he can really do wonders. But the biggest weakness of this film is how underdeveloped the characters are. And uh, yeah, the, the whole thing with the king, it just, he was such a, like I said, you know, vaguely threatening businessman. Like that's the whole thing. Yeah. Like I was hoping there'd be some like secret behind the eyes that wasn't just super strength. Like was he, you know, an alien or some shit? Like they could have done something with that. But they didn't.
1: Yeah. Nope. And just the king. Yep.
0: Yeah. It was I did like when he would get upset when people would just call him king and he's like, "It's not I'm not a dog." Like that that made me laugh.
1: <laughs> I'm um, not a dog. I I I the the Andrew part where he's like that, that one next time kill that one that was kind of funny
0: yeah when he's like he calls him Andy Rue yeah Andy Rue <laughs> oh my god the bit in the elevator when Andrew like can't figure out like you know put it on speakerphone god damn it like that whole yeah that was funny there's moments there's moments um Pom Clementiev plays the evil supervillain Laser. Clementiev is known for her role as Mantis in the MCU. She's set to appear in Mission Impossible 7 and 8, and she was also in the 2013 Old Old Boy remake. I almost called it Old Bay because of the fucking Crab Man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's not bad, but again, the character is just underdeveloped. Like, we know nothing about her besides lasers. And yeah, yeah, after seeing what she did with Mantis, a character I really like, uh, I know she can do it. So I think, you know, it just goes back to the writing.
1: Yeah, back to back to Ben. Benny boy, what are you doing? Yeah, the
0: bit where he got tased, though, I was, I was, I was dying. That was funny when she just dawned, on yeah. and he's like, why are you still tasing me? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, Taylor Mosby plays Tracy, Emily's brilliant daughter. Mosby has appeared in such series as *Criminal Minds*, *A Girl Named Joe*, and *The Last OG*. And uh, I liked her. Um, I wish there'd been a little bit of buildup to her being a fucking speedster. <laughs> uh, that seemed like a horribly, like shoved-in final thing.
1: Uh, but you know, she did a good job. Yeah, she's she's fine. I I don't you know with with like someone like octavia spencer jason bateman or whatever you have you know a serious frame of reference where you're like oh the writing is bad so yeah <laughs> it's not totally their fault that's why jason bateman had to do that walk off <laughs> because the writing's bad he's like this is terrible uh but this girl she's working with something that's bad and i don't really have a frame of reference so i can't really get a judge of like yeah what she's capable of and that that always sucks with a yeah. uh, young young actors
0: you got two oscar winners you got a host of Golden Globe and Emmy winners. You've got an Oscar nominee, so it's not the actors. (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, Finally, Oscar winner Melissa Leo plays Allie, the ex-CIA agent who works with Emily, whose betrayal we all called a mile away. Um, And then just never shows up again. Um, Leo won her Oscar for her performance in 2010's The Fighter, was also nominated for Frozen River. And... I mean, I don't think anybody's more
1: underutilized than she is. <laughs> uh yeah. Holy shit. I hate when this happens. Melissa Leo is one of the people that if you if you use properly, can yeah, can change, can change everything. Uh, you you mentioned the fighter already. What she's able to do inside of a, a film like Prisoners, you know, and be the be this kind of centerpiece without being in the film the whole time is, is is so special and i think she possesses a talent that we saw in uh, frozen river she possesses a talent where she can she can raise everything to the next level if you allow her to that movie's not that good but she's good and she's she's kind of carrying it and and, and in, the, in this I, I was like give her more give her more to more to say or just Give give people saying stuff to her because the way she reacts is incredible. And I, I yeah, I was really frustrated when she was on the screen and there wasn't anything going towards her. There's no 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 interaction. And that's that, that was probably my, my biggest frustration with the whole film.
0: Well, and also her like her betrayal makes no fucking sense at all. No. The whole reason no. she's here is because Octavia Spencer created superpowers. How does tipping off the king help? her in any
1: way it's it was just yeah it was just to be like oh she was right there the whole time you know just like that stupid it was just a lame trope predictable dumb
0: yeah and also Uh, it never never went anywhere either because tracy just immediately like beans her with a fire extinguisher and that's it yes yeah too bad god damn it um thunder force currently has an imdb score of 4.4 and a Rotten tomato score of 25%. It's a Netflix original, so that's where you can watch it if you would like. Uh, it's number one right now, but that's probably going to change pretty quick. Um, so let's discuss some highlights, uh, what we can find at least.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first off, I love the concept of a world where only bad people have superpowers. Like, that is in- really creative. Uh, but they do nothing with it i mean in a world where only sociopaths and evil people are basically living gods how is there any kind of structure how is there any kind of law and order how is anybody in control but them
1: yeah no no this is this is really interesting and it's kind of a whole can of worms and uh I I think it is really smart on paper, but I I just don't think for, you know, a hour and 46 minute movie that's taking its sweet ass time in places and then rushing it in other places, it just has no business with an idea this big. And if, if you're going to do this, this, you know, and you're going to kind of do like a, 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 parallel to what happens. Oh you know, the one percenters, you know, like here in America, the one percenters that are that kind of control everything financially, they're looked at as evil. And if they could have superpowers, they probably would. Right. You know, if they could, if they could take a serum and be even more powerful than you and I, they would. And so if you fuck with that idea, that's really cool. It's also really dark <laughs> and, and really, um, really complex when you, you know, try to like, try to wrap your mind around it. So a movie like this has no business fucking with um, a plot line like that. Whereas I would love to see it in the hands of something just totally different. God, this movie needed an R rating. Uh, yeah, it just needed it needed a lot. Yeah, it needed a lot of stuff. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, just it, I mean, also they were kind of setting up that, you know, Emily was doing this whole thing to, you know, avenge her parents. I was expecting though, somebody to be like the you know, the evil miscreant that killed her parents. Like I was expecting that guy to pop up at some point, but that just kind of got tossed aside. Uh, It's just, I don't believe that Chicago would just be Chicago. If assholes who love to rob banks could literally burn through walls like that. (laughs) Like why is the King running for mayor? He has super strength and an army of supervillains. He could just take the place over.
1: Okay. Okay. That, so that's, that's, that's exactly kind of my point is like politicians and, you know, extremely wealthy people that work hand in, you know, hand in hand, they would totally be the people that would have, you know, superpowers. So yes, Bobby Cannavale, you know, the King running for, running for mayor and doing all these other things. I, I, I just don't think he would be hiding it. He would just be like, I'm going to fucking dominate you. You're going to vote for me or I'll kill you you know, and that, that is presenting a really cool idea. And I think Bobby Cannavale was like ready to do that. (laughs) He was like, can I go to that place where like, I'm, I'm actually wanting to just control everything. And it it never felt like it went there because it's trying to be a comedy, you know, and it's not, it's not funny either. Well,
0: and also the character is a pretty blatant ripoff of Marvel's Kingpin.
1: I mean, he just, yeah,
0: you're not even, you know, it's completely unapologetic.
1: <laughs> frustrating yes, frustrating man yeah and, and also the kind of weird sensation i had when i first saw like sci-fi stuff happening in the movie where i was like oh shit and it didn't it just didn't look very good just didn't oh god That's the visual effects in this are terrible they're so just, half-assed. yeah just you know the first time you see uh what's her name uh Laser, the first time you see Laser kind of doing her thing, you're just like, what is this nonsense? It's not, I don't know what to feel right now. I'm not impressed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not impressed. That's great. Um, I did think the opening with like them as kids was cute. I think, uh, yes. honestly, I would have just continued with them. Like, you know, make her a child, make Emily a child prodigy, have her develop the f- formula now, like do that as kids. That's what I would have done. I think it's more, you know, clever that way.
1: I think, yeah, I I think a hour and 46 minute movie about just 14 year old Emily and Lydia where we never see any of these plans come to fruition. We just see them with this idea as children. Like what a focused, like narrowed down idea where you have these two kids who are just like bouncing ideas off each other. Ah uh, but no, we had to go thirty years in the future and you know deal with it straight up. so
0: well, and also, you know, your idea is
1: probably more suited for a drama. yeah, ex- yes, yes yeah this this movie has the stuff has some stuff for a great great drama about, you know what that could also involve superheroes that uh, uh, is dealing with yeah, like you said, people, evil people taking superpowers and kind of like choosing stuff and they're I that that's super scary that's super super scary and I think a more serious movie is what it's what it's like that idea is worth
0: yeah I agree um the montage where Lydia takes the superpowers and it's really it's really rushed first of all and um I, the montage where like she has to take a different injection every day and like there's a different side effect the bit where God. she woke up with like super long buck teeth that made me laugh.
1: Just real quick. Yeah. Yeah. That, was, that like, ah! was kind of funny. <laughs> that was,
0: yeah. funny. uh, but overall, you know, it's just kind of the same. You know, Melissa McCarthy falls over and everyone's supposed to laugh. You know, is there's she's so much more talented than this.
1: <clears throat> oh, okay. Yeah. Right, here's, here's, here's one of the main things that's, that's like, what the fuck, what's going on here, especially with her, is when she is uh, first visiting Emily and she's drinking that beer and that guy Jesse goes to get the second beer for her and now she's by herself and Emily's like, don't touch this stuff. First off, these women are 50 years old. (laughs) If you're told at 50 years old, you're told don't touch something. You're like... (laughs) I would expect them to listen, you know? <laughs> I would expect them to listen. And, and, and maybe even if they're going to like get up close and look, but not touch all this shit, but this character Lydia just goes ahead and like does all this stuff. And then like, like what, where are you at? What time zone are you in where you think it's okay to sit in this giant chair? She's like, I'm just going to put my feet up while I wait for my beer. And like, that's how, that's how we're, we're set off on this path of her having super strength. It's like such bullshit. Like what a terrible origin story, you know? (laughs) And they didn't, they, they just, they clearly just didn't care about that, that part of like superhero storytelling. So I, if I was a diehard superhero fan, I'd be kind of upset with just like, what the fuck? (laughs) Most movies, most, most, you know, they would take three movies to explain all this shit that you're doing. And you're taking, you're not taking it seriously, and you did it in one. <laughs> well, as a as a diehard
0: superhero fan, I can tell you, uh, yeah, it's it's annoying. This movie really kind of just cheap. treats it all like you know cliches and schlock, and that's that's annoying. It's what you know. The, I mean, there are you know successful superhero comedies. I mean, look at Deadpool. You know, it plays with the tropes, but also is you know super hilarious and well written.
1: Yeah. Well, one of our favorites that just really just it sticks to its weirdness the whole time is mystery men. It just just, does it does not stray from how weird it is going to be the whole time. And that is what that's what we're asking for. We're not asking for some wild, whoa, look at all these ideas. And then at the same time, I'm gonna, yeah, like you said, Melissa McCarthy's gonna trip and like kind of be a little bit drunk. No, like the there's, there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. And I, th- I, think, I think movies like Mystery Men and, of course, Deadpool are, are more of the right way.
0: Well, Mystery Men handles this idea of, you know, a world where superhero, superpowers are not common. Superheroes aren't common. I love the way it handles that, showing that, you know, superpowers, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Captain Amazing's a dick. And yeah, the rest yeah. of his team has to kind of use their skills to save this city and the world from the evil genius casanova frankenstein and it does it so well because it never forgets how cra- how crazy the concept is while yeah. also you know treating it with a
1: certain amount of uh, jest yes and we we need that
0: balance or else we end up with thunder force
1: Ex- exactly there's a fine line there's a fine line
0: mm-hmm. you could take a lot of the jokes out of mystery men and to make it a solid
1: action thriller exactly exactly but those jokes are worth it those yes. funny moments those funny moments with William H. Macy and, and Ben Stiller just screaming the- like those are worth it
0: <laughs> oh I love that movie so much
1: it's very good it's probably at the top of that list for me with like superhero slash comedies
0: yeah yeah for sure uh so the big mo the big scene I watched this with my family and we were all kind of on board until the weird out of nowhere, with no prompting, Glenn Fry music video moment with uh, Lydia and the crab.
1: Yeah, what was going on there?
0: That was so out of place, made no sense. And yeah, at least it did set up the, the dinner scene with, with Lydia and the crab at the restaurant. That, for me, saved this movie. Like, so good. Jason Bateman talking to the waiter like, "Are you really offering seafood to a crab man right now?" Like, is that what's happening? Just... <laughs> so great talking about how that like he got bit on the ball bag by a radioactive crab, and that's what happened to him. Just <laughs> yeah, it's Bateman's the only saving grace of this film. He really is.
1: Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. He's 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 what's going on with this with this movie. If I were to give it any spotlight it would be it'd be the crab it'd be the little dance he's doing and it would be that 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 dinner scene yeah
0: so after beyond that like we've really you know we touched on the the little girl having like no build-up to being a speedster and that just comes out of nowhere yeah Uh, and then like melissa leo's evil
1: transformation whatnot
0: so I don't really have much else to say, honestly. <laughs> like are there any other no,
1: I uh, no, I also I also didn't didn't like how they just threw in the real common trope of like um, here's this single mother who works really hard and the dad ran away and the kid doesn't get much time with with mom, so they get they're frustrated. And so that's how Melissa McCarthy and the and the girl have like a relationship. That just, it, it, that just didn't feel authentic at all to me. Yeah. And that's one of those things where just leave it, just leave that, that whole plot line, just leave it be. Yeah. How about, how about the mother and daughter do have a fine relationship and things are okay. <laughs> like, and why, why is that never the case?
0: <laughs> Further along the dedication to the mission, say dad got killed by a miscreant.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's what it's worth to us. You know, is pushing through for this, this, this vision. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. This movie doesn't know what it's want, what, it, what the fuck it wants to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it really doesn't. It's it's a mess. But yep. in Crab Man, I'm going to remember that. <laughs> like I'm not forgetting Crab Man.
1: Crab Man. gets gives it... The only points I'm giving it are for Crab Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much.
0: Uh, I'm giving it a seven for Crab Man and a couple of scenes that made me laugh.
1: Yeah, I've, I don't feel as... as Positive. Uh, I, I I gave it a 2.5 on Letterboxd, and I think that'd be a 5, you know, over here. And the, yeah, just like I so forgettable already. And aside from the crap, I just <laughs> I, I just yeah, there, there's potential here, too. And I think that makes me kind of frustrated. I think I'll drop it to a six the more we're talking about, it, the more I'm like, yeah, seven is too generous. Yeah, six. Yeah yeah i see I see a seven as a passing grade. this movie does not pass for me at all yeah. I know what passing's like because I rarely did it in school <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know it's yeah it definitely doesn't pass
0: well yeah it could have been should have been better uh you know that's the risk we take with this show. they're not always gonna be winners you know shit movies come out too uh- <laughs> Not oh, that yeah. often, like most of our episodes so far have been decent movies, which is nice.
1: No, it's very nice to have movies that are worthwhile. I think <clears throat> this is probably my probably my least favorite that we've done so far. Um, let's see, let's just, for, for shits and giggles, uh, these are the films that we've covered as kind of base movies uh, for, for, for a sneak preview. Uh, that'd be Pieces of a Woman, One Night in Miami, Little things, Malcolm and Marie, Judas and the Black Messiah, Nomad Land, United States for Spilly Holiday, Moxie, Cherry, Yikes, uh, <laughs> Justice League, Nobody, and of course, fucking Kong Godzilla. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I think this is definitely my least favorite. This one and Cherry.
0: It's probably still cherry for me. Uh, the little things is up
1: there, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I gave five to little things as well yes indeed I did uh yeah I didn't like that one very much at all
0: <laughs> it's a, we've yet to dip under a six for me on this show
1: but it will happen <laughs> that's good yeah we've also had some stuff I really 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 like you know I think mm-hmm. Judas and Black Messiah I think gave it gave that one a nine and uh you know you and I didn't get to talk about on this show Justice League but I did enjoy that that was that was that was a four-hour just fucking feast you know yes yes it was
0: uh and there's a lot of films you know that have been kind of the the i like to call them the appetizers
1: yeah that
0: have been really solid and uh deserve their own episode and i've put those you know if they're weird they they go over to filmgasm and you know if they make a splash at the oscars one day <laughs> go on oscar sunday
1: yeah so, i know i remember i remember uh united states for really holiday we also talked about minari for a while and yeah that's a that's a wonderful movie that will one day pop up on Oscar Sunday because it got a got a handful of nominations
0: on the moxie episode you know we, we I dug into boss level and uh, Raya and the last dragon both which were awesome and would love to talk about those further hell yeah so thanks for listening sorry the movie sucked um,
1: <laughs> but that's, that's not right really maybe our that's not, not up to us <laughs> oh no, yeah maybe maybe someone enjoyed it out there and disagrees with us that's all right
0: uh, next week we have a fairly empty week For new releases So in honor of the 2021 Oscars Which are coming up soon Austin and I will be showcasing Some honorable mentions In the categories of Best actor and best actress Our decade of choice Will be the 2000s So that's every ceremony from 2000 to 2009 Gladiator to the Hurt Locker If you will Yep uh, So we'll each bring up One male and one female From each year That we think should have been up For best actor and best actress And then discuss why we picked them
1: Should be a blast Yeah yeah, honor, honorable mentions, you know, not, not taking anything away from the already nominated uh, folks out there, just trying to throw our two cents in. You know, if we were voters, we would have thrown these guys in there. Absolutely. Uh,
0: don't miss The Raid on Wednesday's Filmgasm and The mm. Incredibles on Oscar Sunday. Mm. Solid week. Yeah, good stuff. Be sure to tune in Friday for the Giggle Guys as well. Until then, have a great week. And keep watching movies.